This show is brought to you by our sponsor, Bitheads. They are a staple in the tech community I come from and have done incredible work over the past 18 years with some of the largest brands in the world, including The Simpsons, Tapped Out, Box, Optimal Payments, The New York Times, among many, many, many others. All told, they've built over 500 solutions from enterprise to entertainment. I'm proud to have them as a part of Untether.tv. Please support us by supporting them. Go to bitheads.com. everybody and welcome to untether.tv. I'm your host and founder, Rob Woodbridge. Humidification. When I say that, does it scream advanced technology? How about at the forefront of the internet of things revolution? Ugh, no, I can't say that it does for me either. But I think our minds are about to be changed. Our guests today, a very important guests, are uh, Nick Lee, who is the global product manager of humidification company Nortech, and Rick McMullen, who is the co-founder of Bitheads. And we dive into the unbelievable changes that are happening in the HVAC industry as a result of this whole software and internet of things revolution that we're seeing. If you need an example of how IoT is changing industry, here's that story. Well, here they are, Rick. And Nick, thank you guys for coming on to Untether.tv. Rick, this is your second show in like a month, man. This is we're, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah, it's uh, becoming a regular. That's okay. I'm I'm not complaining. I, I get a lot from our conversations, and you brought a you 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 brought somebody with you, Nick. Thank you for doing this. This is your first episode on Untether.tv. Why don't you talk about what Nortech is? I gave it a little bit of description in the introduction, but I always do a terrible job. Who is Nortech? What is Nortech? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having us on here, Rob. Um, so yeah, yeah, my name is Nick. I'm with Nortech, a global product manager there. Uh, Nortech is the uh, largest humidification company in North America, but we're also part of a worldwide group called the Condair Group. And uh, as part of that group, we make up the largest humidification uh, company worldwide. Uh, so we're a manufacturer represented in many, many countries. Um, and yeah. So uh, when you when you think of IoT which is the topic of this conversation, you often don't think about a humidifier company, do you? No, typically not. A lot of times when you think about HVAC, you're thinking hard goods. Um, one of the jokes we always say within our industry is if we do our job right, you don't even know we're there. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that feel that way in their jobs. Maybe they, they should get a little bit more uh, credit, credit for what they've done. But uh, you're right. Like this is this is decidedly. I mean, I had a friend who who went through the entire program uh, to be an HVAC technician. He, he went through. He, he did all the mentoring. He did all of that kind of stuff. And I used to think this is this is like a, uh, you know, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's kind of like a, a luddite technology, a low tech uh, or luddite business, a low tech uh, environment where you're basically making sure that air intake and air outtake and heating and and cooling work. Um, so how, how does this play into the Internet of Things? I mean, how, how, how is it that you guys are advancing technology in IoT? Oh, you're absolutely right. It's the, the fundamental principles of air haven't really changed ever. So, I mean, we're, we're working... <laughs> it's hot? I need a cooler? It's cool? I need it hotter. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, we're working with the, the same physical principles, um, and we're getting pretty good at dealing with that, with heating, with cooling, humidification, dehumidification. And, uh, you, you know, we're really reaching the, the levels where we're hitting 
the, the limits for efficiencies. We're, we're really getting as good as we get in some cases. And so the next frontier is taking this to the next level in terms of service and reliability. And uh, the Internet of Things is a great way for us to start moving into this next frontier of more maybe service-based and maintenance-based um, value for, uh, for our customers. So, like, you know, you're right. I mean, the only time that you hear about the heating and the cooling, ultimately, in, in businesses is, I mean, when I ran companies, it was the transition seasons, right? So when it went from spring to summer and, and then fall to winter, uh, it was either too hot or too cold in my office. And then I would call somebody and complain and they would have somebody come in and, and adjust it. Um, but that's a, that's a perfect example, right? Is that we would go through two or three weeks of uncomfortable temperatures either on either side. Uh, and that was the only time that we heard about HVAC and heating and cooling. The rest of the time, it was it was efficient. Um, but uh, but again, it, it comes down to the fact that that you guys, the art and the science of HVAC of heating, cooling, humidifying, and dehumidifying it has been perfected over the years. Uh, so, do you guys start to look for new revenue streams? Is that is that what kind of led you down this this uh, this road to IoT? Um. Maybe less of a revenue stream is more of a, a value to our customers. One of the biggest challenges that we see in HVAC and humidification in particular is making sure that people are maintaining their equipment and keeping the equipment running to its full potential and really getting the full benefit of uh, the humidity that we add to the air. Uh, I mean, as you mentioned, the people only seem to notice when there's a problem. Um, so for us, minimizing the problem challenge as well as uh, predicting when they'll occur, predicting when maintenance is required. That way we can be proactive about servicing our customers and avoiding those complaints from their tenants and from their building. <laughs> So, so how so how did this start? There's got to be a, a path here where you guys, you you do the installations in the buildings, and then and then there's a, there's got to be some kind of interim step here between where we are today, which we're going to get into, uh, and where you were. So, can you walk us through that path from the time that you guys do the installation uh, into the time you guys are now kind of innovating in IoT um, and and sensors? So, what's that linear path that you guys were on? Well, traditionally. Um, and actually, to this day, we still use a model where we sell through uh, third-party distributors. Uh, so for, for us, that actually adds another level of uh, disconnectedness, essentially, where we manufacture a product, we sell it to a distributor or an installer, they're going out, they're adding these products to the building, uh, commissioning them, and we're hear about, hearing about it if there's any problems or if there's uh, any issues, and that's where we have our support department and our facility come in. And um, one of the things we realized is that if we were able to connect to our humidifiers and connect to our equipment, we're better able to support people when there's issues in the field and we're able to support some of the staff that are going to be maintaining this equipment once it's been commissioned and installed by providing them data with either reports or a portal with, within which that they could access the equipment and uh, really get a complete picture of what it's been doing more than just looking at the piece of equipment on the wall. So it started with monitoring, right? So this was, uh, you know, if, or, or is it monitoring? It's, it started with, with the ability to see what was going on remotely. So I guess that is monitoring. Um, and then not be able to action on it, but at least to be able to, if somebody complains, at least to be able to see what's going on, right? That's where it started? It, it really started, yeah, from a support point of view. Okay. And then, and then how does this evolve? So you've got the support. So now you can, uh, it's not proactive, but it's something goes wrong, you get a call, now you can see what's going on. Um, and then you give them the access to be able to see what's going on themselves, which I would assume, I mean, I ran a company 
in an, in an office building. I've never ran an office, but I would I would assume that I don't really care. I just want the heat on and off, right? Ultimately, that's what it comes down to, right? Um, so what was the next stage? So you, you went through this process of, of being, doing this remotely. How did you do that, just out of curiosity? What was the technology back then? Well, this is actually uh, what we're working on now with Rick is actually our second uh, kick at the can, if you will. Um, we started with this uh, several years ago. Uh, I'd say as far back as 2006, we'd started looking at that. Hmm. And um, in some ways, we're a bit ahead of the time and uh, what we were trying to do may have even been a bit ahead of the technology as well. Uh, what ultimately ended up happening is that we had our physical products with their embedded control hardware, but the embedded control hardware just wasn't capable of handling these internet-based communications. Um, and so we ended up having to use add-on hardware and you end up with an expensive option. Um, it's hard for people to really understand the value because this is still relatively new in the HVAC field. and we ended up with a product that, uh, well, quite functional, just really didn't meet our expectations. And from there, we've uh, now had to evolve. Well, was it, I mean, the equipment back then, I mean, we're talking about 2006, 2007. So this is pre, well, it wasn't pre-Blackberry, but it was pre-explosion of smart devices and certainly pre-IoT. Um, so what would you have had back then? A computer? You would have done something? You would have set something up? Was it internet enabled? What was the catalyst to, to make this affordable? Um, well, really what we were doing back then was an add-on card. Uh, it carried a very high uh, cost. It wasn't a full-out computer-based solution, but uh, it was an add-on card from a, a company that manufactured um, these dedicated devices. And really what that was done is it was strapped onto the humidifier and, and uh, connected to our internal control hardware. Uh, did all the processing from our internal hardware, uh, and then translated that to an internet-capable uh, protocol and sent that off to a central server. And then somebody back at the office or back at a, a service technician uh, could log on with their computer onto a, a relatively simple uh, website. Um, it, it's, it's interesting, too, when you talk about smart devices, is that, uh, I mean, we certainly always see the, the consumer-grade smart devices and the, the latest and greatest cutting-edge stuff uh, in the consumer point of view, but when you start looking at industrial control hardware and what we're using on the industrial side, it's it's several generations back. <laughs> Embedded platforms uh, certainly aren't powered by a by a BlackBerry or an iPhone type uh, hardware. <laughs> well, you can't you can't Uberfy HVAC, so nobody's interested in doing that, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like that's the problem with it is that the biggest opportunity is in the enterprise side is what you guys are doing. Um, but everybody's focusing on the consumer side, and that's where a lot of the innovation happens. And then hopefully at some point it gets pulled into what you guys are doing uh, behind the scenes. But, but I mean, it, it must have been, I mean, it sounds very complicated. In, in today's terms, it sounds very complicated. But this was cutting-edge stuff back in, in, in the early days. What do you think, as you're going through this process, and you, and you kind of think about it, you know, over the last number of years, and you think about it as you're working with Rick on this next solution, what was it that, that what was the catalyst here that that you looked at and said, I think that we're ready to do this finally? Um, you know, was it pervasive internet? Was it pervasive wireless? What was, you know, cost of electricity? Who knows? What, what was it that, uh, that allowed you to think a little bit um, more about this later on in the years? Uh, well, there's a variety of factors that actually played into it. Um, and Part of that was some of our European offices where we began having direct service offices, um, you know, having our own trucks going out and handling equipment and realizing that we needed this need to, um, to be able to check the systems remotely before rolling a truck, which has a cost associated with it. 
but more importantly was that the technology had actually evolved. Um, the price of some of these microprocessors, some of this hardware had really come down and we were able to began our path of redeveloping our embedded control systems with much more capable hardware that could now have this kind of functionality embedded without having an additional cost. And uh, this allowed us to make this no longer an option but a standard feature as part of all of our next generation equipment. And uh, it was really the technology that evolved uh, on the embedded side that really made it possible for us to say, okay, this is the right time to start introducing this product. You know, it's funny is that, um, you know, I, I introduced you guys as, uh, or I introduced Nortech as, as a decidedly old tech business, right? You know, um, I use the term Luddite. Uh, but in, in this early conversation, this early part of the conversation, you got to think about this, is that you've been waiting essentially eight or nine years for the technology to catch up to your requirements, right? So, I, you know, when you look around, and I, I, I don't know if there's an answer to this, but when you look around and you, and you see everybody going, Google ape crazy over uh, IoT. Uh, yours is an industry that's been waiting for this to emerge. You look around and say, like, yeah, we we've been waiting for that forever. We, we we built that eight years ago, and you know the technology wasn't. You guys hadn't built the technology that we needed to satisfy our requirements eight years ago. So do you think that everybody's out there out there is a little bit crazy because you've been waiting on this for eight years and they're just discovering it? Um, come on, brag well, a little bit here. I know we're Canadian, <laughs> but come on. Yeah, well, obviously it feels, it feels good to be ahead of the curve, although there is challenges and costs associated with that, but sure. <laughs> as we discovered. Yeah, but um, I, I think early investment like that, though, the, the cost is that if you don't do it, you're not ready when the technology finally emerges, right? Yeah, we, we certainly learned a lot of lessons with our, uh, our first, uh, first attempt at this, um, particularly with uh, what worked in terms of cost that our customers were willing to bear, um, what was needed. Um, and really, I mean, in some ways, people would argue that, yes, the technology was there uh, years ago, but the, the real issue is that it's, it's not affordable uh, unless you're working with a large economy of scale. Uh, I mean, HVAC is not Apple. We're not cranking millions and millions of units off the assembly line, right? <laughs> it would be, be fascinating. <laughs> I'd love to. But, uh, <laughs> you could brand it differently. Um, I mean, HVAC is a tough is a tough term anyways. But, but uh, you know, you're right. The technology was there. I mean, Rick, you can attest to this, is that way back in the early days of the smartphones, uh, I mean, I had an iPack, a compact iPack, right, which was, you know, it had the device. It had a separate sleeve that I could put a wireless, uh, you know, Wi-Fi uh, card in it, and then it had a separate sleeve for a modem, and then uh, so the thing ended up being, you know, like a brick, like this big. Uh, it was a mobile and uh, wireless and connected device, but it didn't. It was, you know, thicker than my laptop, right? But uh, so I could have done a lot of this stuff in 1998, 1999, but uh, but the technology was an inhibitor, right? I mean, I, I, you got to think, Rick, back. To those years, uh, 2006, nobody knew what was coming. Um, so, so you know, the emergence of this kind of technology has taken all of us by surprise. I would say. Yeah, it's certainly the the big the big tipping point. I think was when the iPhone got released because you know the BlackBerry had been around for years and years before that, but it just had never really gotten out of the the business niche market uh, to the consumer. And when the iPhone was released, 
and everybody wanted one, then it was a, it was a game changer, really, uh, like, like Apple or not. That was what really uh, changed the focus of a lot of these embedded devices and the smart technologies and, uh, and probably even the manufacturing costs of a lot of them, too, because they're just pumping out millions and millions of these chips and uh, the economies of scale, uh, you know, take effect, so... I mean, it must have been interesting to go through this. Like, as you sit back and you finally watch this this um, this world emerge into IoT and connected devices, because, you know, the lessons that you learned back then make sure that when you actually sat down and did it again, uh, you knew exactly what you wanted. Um, but what's different today, in in what you're building with Rick? Uh, this is for Nick. What's in what you're building with Rick? What's different today in the product scope and set of features than it was in 2006, 2007? Um, well, largely it's, it's the embedded hardware and uh, we've seen in our industry the emergence of um, automated controls becoming more prevalent within buildings. Uh, we've seen the emergence of really uh, several competing protocols and standards uh, now kind of driving towards a single one with uh, Ashery's BACnet. Um, we, we've seen more of an adoption of technology and an expectation from the customers that um, some of the things that they're seeing on the consumer side with connected devices is going to start appearing within their their buildings and it, it's really that is starting to drive us and almost drag the industry in uh, some of, of a more controls focused uh, direction than we were used to. Uh, traditionally HVAC is very very slow to evolve and uh, <laughs> you know we're almost now being pulled onto this fast-moving train of, uh, of the uh, technology industry and uh, how quickly it evolves and uh, I think there's a lot for us um, to learn and to, to really adapt to with the, uh, the pace of change here. Yeah, you know, I, I would say that, you know, yeah, slow to evolve, but I mean, you guys have been thinking about this for eight years, right? So, uh, you, you know, I, I take that with, uh, with a grain of salt because you've just been waiting. Ultimately, you, you saw the need, you saw the market. Um, but, but I guess back then in 2006, you're looking at, um, uh, you know, uh, costs above and beyond, right? So the cost of the, of the board, um, the cost of electricity, the cost of connectivity was very high. Uh, and the value wasn't quite as obvious as it seems to be today. And then you flash forward kind of eight years later, and then it's not just about monitoring, it's about proactive activity, right? So now it's, it's about um, uh, cost savings as well as um, efficiencies. Cost savings when it comes to a, a, you know air, air cooling and heating, but it's also about efficiencies. You, you started to allude to it when you said, you know, we're not going to send a truck unless we know exactly what's wrong, um, because there's a cost associated with that. But also when it comes to maintenance, right? So a day late on a filter could have a huge impact on the costs of heating, you know, the energy consumption. So you know, talk about that. The the complexity that has emerged over these eight years from the very first time you started thinking about this to the eight years later when you're like, hey, you know, we can do way more. And how do you contain that vision about what can be done versus what should be done? Yeah, well, maybe I should preface that. I mean, one of the challenges we've always faced in the niche of humidification is providing uh, real good service and really knowledgeable service staff um, who can go out there and maintain this equipment, primarily because we're dealing a lot with uh, third parties and uh, um, <clears throat> less with our own direct staff. Uh, so that, in some ways, that almost kind of drives where, uh, where we need to be with the technology because we were using technology and we're using this Internet of Things and these connected devices to help us bridge the gap between, um, you know, the knowledge and the costs associated with maintaining a very uh, well-trained, well-enabled uh, service force by providing them some additional 
support from our level here at the factory and having that filter down right to uh, keeping the equipment going. And uh, I mean, you always see the challenges with uh, keeping the equipment going to maintain the efficiencies. Uh, everybody's talking about energy uh, these days and making sure that the equipment is operating at its uh, peak efficiency is, is key to really keeping your energy costs down and keeping your tenants happy. And, and from the tenant's perspective, do they care about this? Like, I know that they care about cost and they care about keeping their cost down. Um, do, but do they really care whether there's a connected device and, and or, or, or do they just look at you and say, or, or look at, uh, you, you know, your contractors and say, just make it work? Do they really, really, really care about it? it it's, it's almost going back to what I was saying, uh, the joke I had at the beginning where uh, if we do our job right, you don't know we're there. Uh, ultimately, the tenants care that they are comfortable, that they're happy, uh, and in our particular case, you know, that it's not dry. Uh, there's a wide variety of benefits of maintaining proper humidity levels in your space, uh, right down to uh, minimizing the amount and the rate that people get sick. Um, but as long as the system's working and as long as people are comfortable or uh, the process continues to roll and uh, the, the benefits of humidity are being realized, the, the tenants ultimately tend not to care. They just want it to work. Exactly. And, and then, I mean, do, do your, uh, do, do the, the folks you contract out to, the service technicians, the guys who do the installations, do they ask for this? Have they ever asked for this? Is it, is it on you guys to innovate and push out? You know, how does that work? In some ways, it's up to us to innovate. Uh, I think we're starting to see a bit more of a demand for this now that um, people are starting to get used to this kind of connected device, whether it's from their own consumer goods at home that are connected and uh, they're really seeing the benefits of those type of devices, that they're also starting to ask for this in the workplace. That, uh, you know, hey, you know, my microwave can do this. Why can't uh, my equipment at the office do this as well? Yeah. <laughs> and who wants, who's going to pay for that? Like, that's always a question that I have is that, you know, um, heating and cooling systems and humidity and dehumidifiers are, you know, they're part of the office building. Um, but, but ultimately, is that a service that do you put the chips in there yourself? And is that a born cost? Or do you distribute that cost? How, how does that work right now? It, it helps. Uh, ultimately, adding these type of features and this type of service adds value to our product. Uh, and that helps us be more competitive in the marketplace. So you absorb uh, the cost then? And, well, in many ways, the advent of technology and bringing the costs of this down uh, made it affordable for us to do this with similar costs to what we were, handled, hmm. or what we were used to in the past. Uh, and so ultimately, it's been a very... Uh, very small impact on our on our overall costs of doing business but it's been a benefit now do you do you sell those as benefits like do you sell this whole um monitoring and management and remote management as a benefit to your service offering yeah, absolutely yes yeah. and do people look at it and say you know oh yeah i'm going to go with you because you offer that or is, is it a is it is it now becoming a level playing field across uh, companies like yourselves well, in the past, uh, I mean, people people didn't really understand the benefits of these type of connected devices and what that could offer. And I think now that people are becoming more accustomed to this, uh, as I mentioned, from their other aspects of their daily lives, um, that they are able to more clearly recognize the uh, this type of service as a business. Uh, in terms of becoming a level playing field uh, in our industry, this type of application is really just starting to emerge, uh, and we're certainly on the forefront of it. Uh, I'm not aware of too many other companies that are uh, doing this in humidification. Uh, certainly in other aspects of HVAC, we're, we're starting to see uh, more and more companies with these remote monitoring um, packages becoming available and uh, this type of technology becoming more commonplace. Now, okay, so Rick, uh, I mean, talk about how this, this you guys 
somehow come together, right? So, I mean, that relationship is formed. Um, and and what, what was the original ask here that, that, uh, that Nick was, was looking for from, from, from you guys, from BitHeads? Well, initially it was, uh, as Nick had mentioned, they, had, they did have a, a version 1.0 of their monitoring solution in place. So the, the initial project um, was, was really to, to bring that into the present, um, both from a kind of a So user diplomatic, eye. right? I, love, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting right next to you, but it's okay. Yeah, back in 2006, so yeah. I think it was running on a Commodore 64 or something. <laughs> but, it, but it was really just to, uh, you know, bring it bring it into the present, both in terms of protocols that were being used and the user interface uh, that was being offered to to the consumer or the the technicians. And I think the other thing was to add more of a control aspect to it because the initial version. Uh, it was, again, mostly just collecting data. And now, although you can't control everything, but you can actually make some calls into the humidifier to turn off a burner or to adjust a setting on, on the humidifier based on these conditions that were, you know, being reported. So it's, it's taking it, a, you know, one step further into being more of just a remote monitoring solution as in, into a remote monitoring and control uh, system. And that's probably where the enhancements will largely come in the future is to make, to add more and more of these controls so that you can remotely uh, administer the system and uh, diagnose it and, and potentially even make some repairs without even, without even going. What's you know, I always think about this. I ran a company called Rove for many years. It was an IT administration tool, right? And, and um, there were so many remote monitoring for IT infrastructure. And I, th I look, maybe I look at what you guys are doing as, a, as the similar thing, right? Is that when something fails, uh, people get notified that something fails and then it triggers a bunch of actions, usually human-related actions that you send technicians, they go and fix it, everybody's happy. Um, and Rove was like that, or, or all of these, Rove was a little bit different. I mean, a lot of companies did the did the uh, kind of monitoring and then kind of handed it off. They said, hey, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. And that would drive me crazy because I'd want to be able to solve it. That's what Rove did. If something failed, you could use Rove software to go in and fix it. Like, I, you know, so it's one thing to be monitoring, but do you see this emerging because of IoT, because of the complexity now of these systems, and because also about the cheap nature of the parts now that 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 uh, put these devices on the internet? Um, do you see a point in time where, where you can, can you like proactively fix things remotely as well? I think that's exactly where it's heading is, you know, one of it, one part, one aspect of that is just to collect the data that's needed to you know, make these decisions, um, which, you know, the monitoring solutions that are out there now are starting to collect that data. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and part of the thing I think that Nick um, had mentioned early on in the project is another benefit of having this data is that you can make things more efficient from an engineering perspective. You can analyze things that are actually running in the field and, and look at the parameters that are coming back and say, you know, that's why isn't this operating to peak efficiency in this particular environment? And you can actually make uh, tweaks and changes to the to the actual firmware on the device uh, in future revisions of it to to improve that. Yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, a lot of times when we, we see equipment causing problems in the field, it may not actually be a hardware issue. It may, is, may be a control issue. We've got the device turning on or off too regularly, and that's stressing the components. Uh, and with this type of technology, we're able to go in and adjust parameters to smooth out the operation curves and... Uh, and allow the unit to operate uh, more within a, a efficient range or uh, within a more comfortable range uh, that it would like to operate in. 
So what does that mean to, to the client? What does that mean to the building, the customer? I mean, because that, that kind of stuff, um, uh, you know, I assume when if I'm if I'm having a system installed that efficiency is is uh, at a modern level, 2014 or 2015 level. Right. So w when you start talking about those kind of things, that kind of proactive monitoring um, where maybe the the you know, the machine is kicking in too many times or not enough times. Uh, what does that mean to the client? Savings. Benefits. Yeah, it means energy savings. It means uh, more stable environments uh, in, in industrial applications. It means more consistent pro process. Uh, you know, in some cases, even higher quality product. Uh, in office applications, it means a more comfortable and more healthy environment. Um, it, there's uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, the cost benefits for the more efficient uh, systems using less energy. Yeah. Uh, there's less downtime. There's uh, it's more stable and more efficient overall. Like that's crazy to think about it, right? So, you know, this kind of change in eight years in an industry that, you know, as you said, has evolved over many, 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 many years slowly. Um, but all of those benefits that you just listed off as a result of connecting uh, this, these, this infrastructure, this heating, cooling, humidity, dehumidification infrastructure um, to your home office or not to your home office, to, to your uh, manufacturing office so that they can, somebody can monitor this. All of those benefits as a result of that over the last eight years. Do you find that astounding? Like you can create a better environment by doing this because of this technology. Yeah. And it's not even connecting it just to our home office. It's connecting it to the, the service people that are actually in the field supporting it. It's connecting it to the, the people that operate and maintain the buildings. That way they have live notifications when something goes wrong or needs attention. Uh, proactive, uh, they can plan maintenance in advance. Um, it, it's yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you know, eight years later, what we're able to do with the technology. Well, and, okay. So speaking about this technology, like we're in an in emerging market, right? Like you, you, we all know that is that this world changes so quickly, especially with this kind of technology, these protocols. Today, there's a winner. Tomorrow, there's no winner. There's a different company that's leading the pack. So, I mean, uh, this maybe this is directed to Rick. Is how do you ensure that a company that what 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 you guys are building? And putting up there, which how long does the the typical system last? Like that you're building, Nick? Uh, is it uh, lifetime of of, uh, of an HVAC or a um, or a humidifier or dehumidifier is? It typically, uh, once a piece of industrial or commercial equipment's installed, it's expected to last ten plus years. So technology doesn't last ten plus years, Rick. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like you know, you'd be lucky if you if you uh, you know nine months down the road there isn't something that's more efficient uh, and and there's a standard across mobile devices, for example. Um, how do you, how do you ensure this continuity of technology uh, for for the lifetime of this product? I think the big thing that we we've done and, and focused on is um, well, probably two things. One is uh, keep keeping a lot of the intelligence in the cloud. So. We can always upgrade the cloud servers and things like that um, as technology improves, and you know we we can collect the same pieces of data uh, from the units for for that ten plus years period and make changes in the software that's running in the cloud to do bigger and better things. So potentially to have that communicate with some other control technology or control device to automatically turn things on and off, uh, you know, without any human in intervention whatsoever. So that's the, the one thing is pushing as much of the knowledge into the cloud as you can and keeping the, the software on the devices themselves as simple as you can. And the, the second thing is just to use open communication protocols so that uh, when new things pop up, maybe there's a new, you know, back-end server that will take care of HVAC analytics 
um, or something like that, then we can connect to that rather than you know building a whole new system to, to support it. So, so those two things are what we, we've tended to focus on in building these types of applications just to make sure that it's, it's as future-proof as you can make it. Uh, nothing is truly future-proof, but you can, you can make it as future-proof as you can. Mm -hmm. You know, Mark, Mark Andreessen, you know, the, the famed uh, founder of Netscape and uh, Andreessen Horowitz, you know, said something that just keeps coming in, screaming in my head as you're talking about this is like software is eating the world. Right. And, and so we started this conversation describing what you guys do, Nick, what you do as hardware right as as uh you know basically this entire uh you know manufacturer of uh industrial grade um hvac equipment but the way that rick that you're describing it and nick the way that you've described it is this transition from this hardware company into this software as a service company and i mean are we watching this this industry emerge are we watching hvac as a service emerge um, and the real value that you're going to be providing is in the software layer and the connectivity of that software to back-end systems that enable services like this? Like, are you guys going to build an API or an SDK and integrate into other people's technologies? That's what it sounds like to me. Is that where it's going? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it that big, or am I just kind of... Trying to well, I think, uh, you know, eight, eight years down the road from now, we'll certainly be seeing things like that start to emerge. I mean, at, at this point today, uh, maybe we haven't thought that far ahead. We're, we're certainly focused on uh, supporting this product as uh, 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 in its, its early stages of launch and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, I think uh, it's very possible that we could be seeing these, these type of technologies and... Uh, you know, in maybe not just even in HVAC, but uh, in in industrial goods in general, where we're seeing these type of uh, services and you know maintenance contracts and value for the customers being added here, and, and maybe less so on the hardware side. Um, yeah, I think certainly we could be talking about an evolution like that. But could you be talking about like a subscription service where you where you basically install all this equipment for free? And then you're guaranteed a ten-year maintenance contract at a, at a high value. Like, could could it shift like that, or is that just too much to think about at this moment? Um, no, that's certainly not too uh, too much to think about. Uh, we uh, some of our European uh, sister companies are actually experimenting with similar type models for uh, for the equipment. Um, focus more on water treatment side of things, but. Um, yeah, and especially in industries where there is equipment that is very maintenance intensive or that there is a constant maintenance requirement um, and you have the ability to service it directly within your market, then yeah, I mean, it be, could even become a model like that. And, and Rick, from a, from a technology standpoint, am I off on this whole uh, API or SDK? I mean, I, the vision that I have is that, you know, you... you you you're compliant to a to a, a like a building operating system so to speak right where where uh, and then app makers uh, can bring in your data license the data from these systems in order to be able to create a an efficient ecosystem with other vendors technology as well whether that be lights or whether that be whatever um, you, you know um, is that is that what we're talking about here as well as we emerge yeah Absolutely, that is where it's going, and and the challenge I think Nick alluded to uh, earlier, currently is that these things are all still stovepipe type applications, and they don't necessarily talk the same protocols. But uh, eventually, there is going to be a standard, you know, emerge from that, uh, and there'll probably be more than one standard emerge from it. But you, you can 
you can certainly envision having a, as I, I mentioned earlier, just a, a controller that sits in the building that takes first action on things. So, you know, one of the examples we were talking about earlier is just to make sure that the heating and the cooling system isn't on at the same time or that th things like that. Mm -hmm. And, and that controller could be deployed, you know, as a building operating system and it just notifies interested parties that it took this action ra rather than having an event be notified to a to a technician and then the technician doing the action. We just remove that responsibility one step further where you're just, it's just a notification model. Um, there's logic, a business rules engine built into that that says, you know, these two things happen, uh, do this and then notify the the building superintendent or the manufacturer uh, saying that it needs you know extra parts to, to come along so we've already built that type of technology in, in a few of our different uh, IOT applications where it's tying into you know either their SAP system or a, or a Salesforce system to order more parts and that's uh, that's certainly where we're going with the the Nortech solution as well. Well and I think uh, it's a good point that he brings up it's certainly gonna be one of the challenges that we face going forward uh, I mentioned earlier that we're seeing uh, finally, a bit of protocol consolidation on the, the building management side of things with, um, it, it seems like Ashray's BACnet has emerged as a clear open standard. Uh, but that protocol is largely for equipment within a single building and controlling them autom automatically within a single building. Now as we start getting into these remote monitoring solutions, uh, at some point down the road, I, I think uh, you, know, you won't see these, these individual implementations of these monitoring systems but a single monitoring platform that manufacturers such as us tie a protocol into, whether through an API or whatnot, uh, but it becomes a standardized platform where somebody could conceivably have all of their equipment, not just their humidification equipment, visible through a single dashboard remotely uh, up in the cloud and collecting data and whatnot from there. So did you ever, Nick, honest, did you ever consider that, that this is the conversation you would be having with somebody around your business? Uh, when I started uh, back at Nortec uh, seven, eight years ago, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. And, and I think about, I mean, Rick, you mentioned like, you know, the maintenance guy, like the super, the superintendent of a building or something to that extent. And, and immediately that popped into my head was, uh, was Schneider, right? One day at a time, right? Cigarettes rolled up in his sleeves, right? <laughs> but, but that guy, uh, you know, at, at, at one point, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but at one point you didn't really need a lot of education to be the superintendent of a building, right? Like Schneider, right? Um, maybe he was a, an engineer, I'm not sure, but it seems to me like it's, as this evolves, uh, this ups the ante for people who are in this business, who are in the maintenance of buildings business, um, up from the superintendent all the way up to like obviously what you guys do, that you have to have this engineer mentality, uh, software engineer mentality, because all of the opportunities seem to be emerging in software and uh, and collecting the right data and then displaying the right data at the right time. Yeah, in some ways it is, and um, a part of uh, what this is actually driving as well is that you're often seeing that rather than having a superintendent per building, a single superintendent may have a cluster of buildings that he's now responsible for, and uh, from his control room he's able to operate all of these remotely. So it's uh, it's almost helping to optimize how people can uh, manage and uh, handle a single building or even a uh, multiple uh, building arrangement. So in all of this, like Schneider, now you can't get Schneider out of your head, right? Uh, for all those young, <laughs> those young guys out there who, who are listening to this who don't know who Schneider is, well, I, I can't help you there. <laughs> I can't help you there. Um, 
Now, so uh, what are some of the uh, some of the new challenges that that have emerged from this? Because it, you know, as a business in transition, which this sounds to me like it is, where there's huge opportunity, like untapped opportunity, not only for your companies but additional companies that haven't emerged yet. Um, as you st- as you said, once the standard has been in place, or the guys who are building the standard, what are the what are the new challenges that you're facing? You, you can both answer this because it's not only technology but it's business as well. Well, from uh, maybe I'll take this first, yep. but um, from from our point of view, I mean, we're, we're used to we're coming from a relatively slow moving HVAC industry. You say that I say yeah. luddite, you say slow moving. It's okay, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, six to one, half a dozen the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the real challenge for us is now keeping pace with what's going on in uh, the, the technology world and how this can benefit us, benefit our customers, uh, and help us strengthen our business overall. Uh, keeping pace with that and predicting where it's going to be in five years. I mean, our hardware design cycles are certainly nowhere near what the smartphone industry does. Um, when we put hardware out, it's expected to to last for several years now. And so it's some different ways of thinking. And uh, the whole concept of future-proofing is not is a little bit new for, uh, for some of the stuff that we've been doing. I love that. You're right. Like when you build and you design and manufacture something, you're right. I mean, what's that cycle? What does that cycle take? Uh, well, to put a to get a fully tested embedded control system is typically a two to three year cycle. Yeah. And once we put these things into the field and they're operating real pieces of equipment, they have to work and they have to work perfectly. So there's a lot of testing that goes into it. It's not like a smartphone where we can just push a software update and uh, magically everything's better. But uh, at some point, that's that might be what happens, right? Conceivably, yeah, that that could be very well where the uh, where we're going with some of this techno uh, connected devices, and uh, in particular, some of the solutions we're using with our uh, web connected, uh, you know, being able to push updates. But uh, but we're we're still of a mentality that it's it's got to work right, and it's got to work right for everybody, whether they have their device connected or not. So it ends up being a two three year design cycle, and then it's got to be in the market for uh, for several years to really justify that investment. Amazing. Like that, that's it's so alien to think about that from from where I come from the software world, right? Where it's like, you, you know, we want to change something. We've got ninety day sprints, right? Ninety day sprints, and then we got a new product out the door. And you're talking about two to three years plus a ten, a minimum of a ten year shelf life in a building, right? Um, so those are considerations. And from a technology standpoint, what are these new challenges that has, have arisen as a result of this new well, opportunity? I think we've already alluded to it a few times, but the whole connectivity part is a, is a huge concern. Like uh, certainly in the HVAC industry, but even when you think about the, you know, the oil and gas industry, where you're monitoring things that are way out in the middle of, you know, Alberta, and, <laughs> <laughs> or the middle of nowhere. I mean. <laughs> Nick's from Calgary. Wow, you are taking everything. That, yeah, it's, this is this is Nick's roast today. Yeah, exactly. So, the connectivity is is a is a currently a, a big issue because you know we can't do software updates to humidifiers that aren't connected to the internet, and some of these buildings just simply don't have that uh, technology or capability just yet. Anyway, uh, over the next several years, they probably will, but right now, it's not a it's not a guarantee. Um, so that's one of the big concerns is you have to design things currently at least to be both connected and unconnected. They have to work in both both environments. Um, another one that's obviously a big topic these days is, is privacy and security. So you have to take that into consideration whereas before when it, nothing was connected it didn't really matter. You had physical security and that was all you had to, to worry about. Now you have to worry about network and, and computer security as well. 
so these are all those are probably the biggest challenges right now um, and then yeah, trying to predict the future is always a challenge too. So where is it going? <laughs> and, uh, I, I want to talk about that, but but you 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 know it's it, it's interesting this concept of privacy, security, connectivity. Um, you know th these are and you know I think we talk about beacons, we talk about eye beacons, we talk about all of these sensors, and and you know there's a single failing point with a lot of these things, which is a battery power, right? Which is you burn up the battery, uh, it goes offline, nothing helps, right? So there's all of these technical implementations that that have to be perfect, um, but it just goes to show you the complexity that happens. I mean, you know, uh, Nick, I don't, I don't I don't envy your job because you've got to stay up on on the latest technologies in your business, which may move at a slower pace than than uh, the connected world. Um, but then you've also got to be able to say, how does that technology, how does a beacon, how does a sensor apply, right? So if I, for example, I project a little bit, there's this company uh, based out of Europe called um, Sense, and they do these little things called, uh, little notes called Mother, right? And, and it's um, and it's ultimately to put create anything as an IoT device or, or connected any, connect anything to, to the network. And it's basically a little node. It's about this big. It's a little sensor. And you can just stick it on a whole bunch of different things. Um, so like if there's a trouble vent, right, that is bugging you that doesn't open when it should, you basically stick this little, uh, you, you know, uh, mother device on on the on the uh, vent and it'll send signals right it creates a connective uh, connective tissue to that event so if it's open it'll know if it's closed it's, it'll know in the reaction time and then uh, once that's been solved you take it off and you move it around but there's all these other technologies that are out there and I don't envy you about having to stay on top of it because I have a hard time doing it <laughs> I know Rick has a hard time doing it, and it's all I do. Uh, and so, you know, I think uh, th those are the those are the big challenges. But you know, just the fact that all of a sudden you're connected, right? These vents are connected. All of a sudden, opens up these huge opportunities. Um, you know, the concerns around security and privacy, obviously, but for businesses to go in there and and be the security and the privacy guys around vents. I don't know, but there's, I, I think that there's there is opportunity in this business. Well, and it's huge. I mean, some of the data that we're gathering, uh, I mean, the other big thing that comes up a lot now is big data. But uh, we're able to gather a lot of operational data. We're able to uh, then analyze that. And this data will then go forward to help us make more efficient uh, algorithms and more efficient products in the future as we get a more clear picture of how our systems operate and how they're reacting in these different applications. So where are the revenue opportunities here? Because it just sounds to me, like as I'm listening to this, is like, you know, you install these things in buildings and then you can become like the nervous system for the buildings where you're collecting the data and you're selling the data back and you're 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 aggregating all of this other data from all of these different buildings to get norms and averages and impact. And I mean, where does like it just seems like there's an endless stream of revenue opportunities. Am I wrong? Um, no, you're not wrong there. It's, uh, I mean, some of the challenges is obviously finding that. Uh, one of the things we found with our initial uh, try at the system was that um, the, the high cost of the add-on hardware and then the, the cost of the service wasn't something that people were really prepared for. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that we're finding now is that uh, people have become a lot more custom to free services and uh, open source <laughs> and uh, less stupid uh, app makers, right? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, and more more open type uh, models. So uh, I mean, certainly with this, we're we're positioning it as a uh, you know it's a, it's a standard feature in the uh, the humidifier. There's no cost to connect. It's uh, it's built in. Um, you know, and then, and then that opens up the door for, for perhaps down the road that we, we look at per service models and how we offer value with uh, maintenance and whatnot. But uh, in the certainly in the initial uh, 
initial days of this, it's, it's a freely available thing to drive adoption and um, get people comfortable with this type of uh, technology. I mean, it's still, uh, like, like we said earlier, connected, unconnected. Getting people that are traditionally used to unconnected devices into this connected world, uh, you know, it's small steps. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. I can imagine. Because there's got to be benefits, right? And it's, it's clear benefits. It's easy to sell. It's easy to, to say, if you spend a dollar, we'll, we'll, you know, you'll earn $2. That's an easy sell. But it's, it's different if you, you know, if you spend a dollar, you'll save bits and pieces here and your employees will go home healthy. Er, right like those are you know one's very concrete the other is 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 you know very opaque right uh, when it comes to the true value and the true cost so you know there's got to be a balance there and, and even connecting a whole bunch of buildings and understanding what you know the impact of uh you know environmental um you know the impact of humidity on an office who knows what that will do because you don't know if it extends the life of the building 10 12 15 years you won't know for 10, 12 or 15 years from now. So I think that there's, there's a whole, I think that there's opportunity here. It's fascinating mm -hmm. to think, but I mean, maybe I'll direct this to Rick is that Rick, when you look at the technology, really, what, what does the future look like here? And, and, and this will be the last piece of our conversation here, because I'm, I'm really interested to know your assessment of, you know, you take this, a, a technology maybe, or an industry that has, has slowly kind of um, moved along. I, maybe not quite Luddite anymore. It's changed my opinion about what you guys are doing there. <laughs> but it, it's moved slowly along here. And then, um, you know, to me, it just seems like it's about to go on a uh, on a learning curve that is uh, straight up. And and what do you think that that means for, for the future of, uh, of this business? I, I really think getting back to the, you know, the building or the, the community or whatever it is, operating system where this data is being collected and acted on automatically and then humans will be notified is one, is one huge aspect of it. So the, we're taking the, the manual process of, of, you know, upkeep of these systems out of the, out of the equation. So that's, that's a, a part of it. Uh, a second part is getting to the point where everything is predictive so that we know that, um, you know, if, if a particular component has been operating at peak efficiency for, 12 months, it's likely only, it's, it's likely to break down within the next two or three months and, uh, and planning when that new part or that new filter or something like that should be shipped out, uh, would be, would be another aspect of it. And I think the other thing that we haven't really seen or haven't really thought about too, too much is how mobile will kind of come into this, you know, whole ecosystem. Cause right now we're, you know, we're building admin portals, uh, based on a cloud technology. And, uh, you know, extending that to mobile devices, how, how can that actually improve the, uh, you know, the whole customer value proposition? Uh, maybe that's one of the areas where they would be willing to pay so that, you know, the guys doesn't have to be in the building all the time, you know, actually monitoring the systems. He just gets notifications based on some of these predictive analytics and knows, you know, what he needs to do or who, who he needs to call. So I think those are three areas where, where you know, in the short term, like the two to two to five year period of time, uh, things are going to really start to, to move in advance. And some of the stuff is already happening a little bit in Europe. Like you, you can't go anywhere in Europe where the lights don't turn on when you walk into a room and turn off when you leave a room and things like that. So it's just, uh, we're not there in North America yet, but the technology exists, but the 
demand, I guess, isn't quite there for, for some of these technologies just yet. The desire is not there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I see that quite a bit. I, like the only, I keep thinking to myself is that this is, we're talking about HVAC. We're talking about, you know, control, controlling controller systems. We're talking about building infrastructure. And, uh, and here we are, we're looking at, and then when all you do is add a, a connective tissue, a connective layer, and, you know, some sort of system that enables, that puts this on a platform in the cloud, um, and it changes the perspective of that business, right? And, and it's funny because at some point, and maybe I'm way off here, uh, Nick, but at some point, you know, the value of, of the system is diminished by the value of the software layer on top. And that's just, you know, I don't, that's just my my perspective because I'm a software guy, but you know that that so the value of the software, the predictive nature of what's happening, right? Um, because y you do an installation and it lasts ten years. People pay you a lot of money. You go and do an installation and, and a minimum of ten year uh, it lasts a minimum of ten years in these buildings. Um, but instead of just a one time hit on revenue, right? You, there's there's this opens up opportunities I think for for ten years of revenue, however small it might be, but you know. You know, any kind of revenue is good, especially when it comes to, you know, increasing margin, right? Yeah, well, and I certainly wouldn't say that the, the hardware side is diminished. I'd actually say that it's complemented by the uh, software side and the uh, value is enhanced over the life of the product. Yeah. And yeah, certainly it opens up possibilities to, uh, I mean, to generate revenue off these services and extend uh, over the life of the product. Have, have, I, have I forgotten a question that I should have asked you guys? I mean, is, is it, is, have I left anything out? Have we not talked about something that's important? I think you've covered all the bases on my end. Uh, the last comment I might uh, leave you with is... Uh, we are not Luddites! <laughs> <laughs> uh, something we've been talking about the entire time, actually, is that uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity in uh, not just HVAC, but a lot of these uh, traditional hard good manufacturing industrial industries where uh, we're just now starting to get on board and become part of this Internet of Things. And I think there's a lot of opportunity, HVAC and beyond, uh, in this uh, field. I would echo that. I think Rick believes that too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's why we're focused on trying to build, you know, platforms and, uh, and with each application that we build, we're trying to kind of bring that knowledge back in and, and to create a more generic platform. Even though I don't believe the industry is really ready for that yet, but uh, it will be. And uh, so that's what we're focused on is to try to create a, you know, a generic platform which would enable these types of applications to be developed much more quickly and, and you know, enhanced much more quickly as well. You know, the big lesson here from both of you guys, it, it, and it's very important, is that, I, Nick, you started down this path eight years ago, right? As a company, you started looking at these kinds of solutions eight years ago. Now, the technology has finally caught up to a degree. It's probably not caught up to your ideas that you really want to implement. But for now, it's taken eight years to get that vision from, from 2006 uh, up and running, uh, obviously, with, uh, with Nick's help. Uh, sorry, with Rick's help. But the... Like that's a lesson unto itself is that, uh, you know, it, out there, if you're watching this or you're listening to this and you've got these ideas and you, you're, you're going through this process of trying to build and try to implement and the technology is just not doing what it is supposed to be doing or what you want it to do, it, there's no such thing as an overnight success is that you have to have the vision today, exactly like Rick is talking about this kind of IoT operating system as well, is that it may sound insane that our vents are connected. It may sound insane that we need an operating system for our house, but in six or seven or three or five years down the road, 
it will be commonplace. And these ideas that you're germinating right now will be the ones that win in that time frame. But it takes that long. And I think that this is a testament to that, is that maybe our perception of the HVAC industry has, has changed as a result of that. <laughs> maybe maybe this is a recruiting campaign for you. Uh, you know, Nick, maybe you'll get employees. Uh, so uh, where should we send people uh, to get more information about what you do, Nick? Um, best place is our website. That's humidity.com in North America and uh, condair.com uh, in uh, Europe. Uh, C-O-N-D-A-I-R.com in Europe. And uh, that's us. Humidity.com. Great domain name. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a gun. It's way, yeah. It's way for the website. It's <laughs> yeah. So the, the the domain name is better than the website. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's coming along. Uh, and uh, of course, you can find uh, find Rick at uh, bitheads.com. Uh, you know, uh, they've been very supportive on Tether.tv, and it's because of these conversations that I hope our, our relationship never ends, my friend. Uh, <laughs> bitheads.com, and of course, humidity.com, gentlemen. Thank you for your time. Thank you for participating on Untethered.tv. Thank you very much, Rob. Thanks for having us, Roger. All right, we'll see you guys later yep, for another bye. episode.